What is going on, my shift family? What's going on, man? Happy Tuesday to you and yours. Happy Tuesday. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to shift. And can I get a school? What? I love the way you sounded. I love the way you sounded. Y'all look great, man. You look beautiful. You look blessed. Um, I, I just, of course, just want to say thank you for joining me tonight. Um, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with me. So tonight, tonight, I'm really excited. Um, I'm excited about this series, and to be honest, I have been excited about this new series. And if you have already have not already caught on, we are beginning our new series of. I don't even want to say the month, but our second series of the year, uh, which is called Unbecome. Um, I will, of course, share, you know, share more on that. But tonight specifically is what I call the prelude for Unbecome. And I, I call it the prelude because, to be honest, from last week, a lot has happened. A lot has changed. A lot. Um, it's just been a lot. Um, we had our shift squads on this past Friday. So if you were there on the shift squads, Shout out to you. Uh, we had a, a dope conversation, um, a necessary conversation, um, starting the conversation and being sure to give voice because a lot of times we can be experiencing so much, but even in our experiencing, we just kind of still feel like our voice doesn't matter or that we just are quiet. Um, that's not where we are. Uh, we are definitely being vocal, but at the same time, we are choosing to use wisdom and to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into all things. So tonight, I just want to ask you to uh, just just have your expectation out because even with this being the prelude of this series, it, it real I am really in expectation just for God to just move and to speak and to breathe on this entire night. Um, I have been in a whirlwind of emotions, to be honest with you. Um, just with so much going on in the world, so much going on in our black community, so much going on in our communities in general. Um, but even still, I, what I've chosen to do is to keep my hope is to keep my trust rooted, to keep my faith, to continue believing. And I know that there are some people, I don't know if this is you, but there are some people who are starting to question or starting to give more energy and, and focus into other things and and starting to say, well, pretty much I'll leave God alone because it's real in these streets, man. Um, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just go ahead and pray in because uh, I'm I'm gonna speak from the heart and I'm gonna allow Holy Spirit to just be Him. So join me as I pray this thing in. So Father God, I just thank you and I praise you, Lord, for all that you are and that you continue to be. I thank you, Father, for tonight for this message as we begin this next series of 2020 Unbecome. And I thank you, Father God, that throughout this series, we, we, we intentionally make the decision to unbecome everything that you did not create, create us to be. So we thank you, Father God, for tonight. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for you breathing throughout this message, for you being our great teacher. We yield ourselves. I yield myself completely to you. Think through my mind. Speak through my vocal cords. Let it be all of you and none of me tonight. And I just declare in the name of Jesus that our lives will be forever impacted by what takes place tonight. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your articulation. I thank you, Lord, for, for just letting it be that it's all about impact, that I'm not led by my emotions, but I'm completely led by you. So I give you free reign and free access to do as you please. 
And I thank you, Lord, that the eyes of our understanding is enlightened, that by the end of this night, we will not only be inspired, we will be charged, and we will be different. And it is in your name, Jesus, that we pray and believe these things. And all that agrees said, amen. Amen. So, as I said tonight, I come to you as a man. Not only a man, but a black man. Um, and <laughs> I am a husband, I am a father, I am a son, I am a friend, and I am a man. And I have to tell you the truth. I do not like what is happening. Um, just as many of you, I know that we are, uh, again, we are all experiencing what's going on. I don't know if it's touching you directly or even just indirectly, but we are all experiencing what is going on. But even in our experience, it is very, very important and very vital that we do not allow ourselves to become so consumed in what we are experiencing that we completely forget who we are. That's just is what it is. Um, we are believers. We are believers. That is what we do. Uh, I know that there are, there have been riots going on. The protests, to be honest, have been peaceful. And then some have chosen to make it violent. Some have chosen to distract from the intent of what we are protesting. And to be honest, it has been really pissing me off. Um, I, I found myself experiencing every emotion just every day, throughout the day, everything from anger to, to pain to hurt to tears to, to, to pain to hurt to smiling to happy to it has been an emotional roller coaster, to be completely honest with you. Um, and I'm saying that because I don't want you to feel like you're by yourself. Uh, as a young as young adults, to be honest, I know that not everybody is speaking to someone. Some of us are bottling in what we're feeling. Some of us are holding in what we are experiencing and not not allowing ourselves to speak or even join in on conversations because we are just choosing to fester. And to be honest, that is dangerous. If you are being silent, I implore you as a black individual, as a white individual, whatever it is, Whatever your race, wherever you're from, speak, speak. Whether you're speaking to someone directly or, or just speak, speak, to, speak, period, because you don't need to keep all of these emotions and these feelings in. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot going on, and to be honest, this world is crying out. Um, we are crying out as a people. We are crying out as black people. And our hearts are crying out because we're looking for hope. We're looking for change. We're looking for a difference. We're looking for something. Like, it's it's almost like you literally, you, you see people walking around and you can see it in their eyes that they're like, help, please, please. Don't confuse it for what it is. Help, this is a real thing that is happening. Um, and I, I, I want to, I want to make this statement and I'm, I'm speaking this directly in faith. The change is now. So I want you to repeat that. Type it in the chat box. Say this. Write it somewhere. Share it on your social media whatever. The change is now. It's not tomorrow. It's not yesterday. It's not 30, 40 years ago. It is right now. The change is now. And the reality is we have to be the difference. Um, I know that... I know that a lot of people are 
are because I've heard some conversations and I've I've seen some conversations online where people are asking. They're saying, "Oh well, you know, they're they're pretty much condemning everything that's going on." They're like, "What? That's not the way to do it. You're rioting. You're you're destroying. You're such and such." I don't agree with it. I don't. But we have to also remember, we're not talking to Christians. We're talking to people that are hurting. Some of them may not believe like you. So rather than wanting to condemn everybody for their actions, maybe we need to either listen, speak to them, be around them, love on them, something. If we have the gift on the inside of us, it does us no justice for us to sit here holding it in our back pockets, watching from our homes, watching from our screens, saying, man, look at them. Look at them. See, they crazy. They crazy. Yeah, they might be crazy because they don't have the light that you have. That's just the reality. They don't have the light that you have. So when we're seeing things going on, when we're seeing people raging because they're 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 crying out and they're screaming out and they're raging out and and whatever it is that they may be doing in the streets, they're doing it because they're they they don't know what else to do. And it seems like everybody is silent. And I just have to say this, and this is all before I get into the message. I have to say this because I know that with me making a statement that everybody's silent, some of us are saying, yeah, and the church is silent. Where the lead is at? Where the such and such at? Where the past is at? Where the blah, blah, blah at? I mean, true. Where are they at? And I'm not saying that for everybody. Some are making moves. Some are making moves behind the scenes. Some are doing things that we have no idea. But what I do want to say is, before we go around pointing the finger and saying, how come this person isn't doing this? This person should be doing that. Let's look at ourselves because at the end of the day, we're saying that the church is being silent, forgetting that we're the church. So we're being silent. Obviously, the church is being silent. If you aren't speaking, obviously, nobody is hearing the church. So we still need to open up our mouths rather than saying that everybody else needs to do X, Y and Z. We need to realize that we have to be that X, Y and Z. We can't sit there and 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 wait for permission. We can't sit there and, and say, oh, well, the pastors, they're not doing this, so they don't care. Do you care? Do you care? Because this is something that I definitely want you to hear. I don't want you to miss this in this opening spot, whatever we want to call this. All that is going on, <laughs> your life is not a group project. And a lot of us are treating it like such. We're going around saying, man, this needs to be changed um, because we're, a lot of us are hearing God telling us to do certain things, to move certain things, to say certain things, to start certain things. But because of our fear, we're waiting for somebody else to do it for us to jump on ship, jump on the boat and say, yeah, look what we're doing. Look what we're doing. Maybe the thing that you're complaining about, you're complaining because you're the one that's supposed to start it. Maybe the stuff that you're you're wondering when is the when is it coming? Maybe it's because it's for you to do. It's for you to do. We're going around looking for leaders to lead, forgetting that we're leaders. Forgetting that you have a gift on the inside of you. Forgetting that we have a mouth. Forgetting that we have legs. Forgetting that we have hands. And 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 miss me with that whole I don't have a platform. The fact that you have social media, you have a platform. It is a social media platform. You have an account on that platform, which gives you a platform. So I don't care about the, oh, I don't have no audience. You can go viral. Just stop making excuses. If you want to say something, say something. Just, just miss me with all that, 
oh, well, how come nobody is doing this? How come nobody doing that? Well, because you didn't do it. Maybe because we didn't get the idea that God gave you. Maybe that's what's going on. So it is what it is. If you want to see difference, be different. If you want to see change, be change. And if you're tired of how dark it is, well, then use your light and shine. And stop waiting for everybody else to put their lights on and complaining while you got a whole light in your pocket. You a whole light in yourself, and you sitting there waiting and complaining, talking about, eh, nobody wanted to turn their lights on. Where, how come everybody ain't doing it? it? What are you doing? Put one foot behind the other and start moving. And make sure you vote. If you want to see some change, you better start voting. So make sure you register if you're not already registered. Georgia, we are voting next week. So make sure that you understand what's going on. You can early vote right now. And uh, let, me, let me get into this message. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. All right. So um, I want us to read something. Uh, to be honest, I don't really know exactly how this message is about to go. I have, like, a lot of notes. I got scriptures on scriptures. Uh, I don't know. This is going to just this is just Holy Spirit led. That's why this is the prelude, because I was like, Lord, uh, we got this 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 series starting. And to be honest, like, I'm feeling heavy. <laughs> so I I have been having to pray, okay? I've been having to hold back tears. I, it's, it's been a lot. So I want us to read this scripture. Let's go to Luke. We're going to go to Luke chapter 21, and I'm going to read verses 20 through 28. And I'm just starting with this. It's just like the little intro. You know what I mean? So go to Luke chapter 21, verses 20 through 28. I'm going to read it from the message translation. So, uh, again, that is Luke 21, 20 through 28, message translation. All right, so it reads, <clears throat> when you see soldiers camped all about Jerusalem, then you'll know that she is about to be devastated. If you're living in Judea at the time, run for the hills. If you're in the city, get out quickly. If you're out in the fields, don't go home to get your coat. This is Vengeance Day. Everything written about it will come to a head. Pregnant and nursing mothers will have it especially hard. Incredible misery. Torrential rage. People dropping like flies. People dragged off, into, dragged off to prisons. Jerusalem under the boot of barbarians until the nations finished what was given them to do. Verse 25. It will seem like all hell has broken loose. Sun, moon, stars, earth, sea, in an uproar, and everyone all over the world in a panic. The wind knocked out of them by the threat of doom. The powers that be quaking. And then, then, they'll see the Son of Man welcomed in grand style. A glorious welcome. When all this starts to happen, up on your feet. Stand tall with your heads high. Help is on the way. So again, I say, the change is now. Once again, I want I want to see I want to see y'all typing that. Uh, I'm not going to be reading it, but I want to read it later on. <laughs> Type that in the chat. The change is now. So look up your redemption draweth nigh. Um, just yesterday we were uh there, our our sister uh, Toya X Nishes. If you follow her, she has a um a pretty cool thing she started called the Hip Hop Church. And it's on it's on IG on Instagram, but she yesterday she had a a guest she had CeeLo Green from Goody Mob, uh, 
Um, and <laughs> this sounds so funny. It's, this is so young the way we're talking. We had CeeLo Green from the Goody Mob. Like what? <laughs> so I, if you're over, if you're over the age of forty, you probably like what? No, I'll say fifty. You're like what? What's a Goody Mob? I don't know. Maybe you do know. I hope you know. Anyway, um, that that entire conversation that she had with him, to be honest, was really dope. It was really dope, and there was a lot of things that were said. And um, but something that he said when he said it, I heard God behind it. And I'm starting, I'm starting this this part as far as this prelude with this statement. And I want you to write this statement down. All right. So the statement is, your life is God's window of opportunity. Your life is God's window of opportunity. And when I tell you that statement hit me, hit me. <laughs> like it, it straight up knocked me down because a lot of us, we don't feel like our lives are significant. We don't feel like we we matter. Or as I said before, we feel like the only way things will happen in our lives is if we attach ourselves to what somebody else is doing. Now, I'm all for teamwork. I'm all for collaboration. I'm all for unity and uniting and all of that. But what I'm saying is a lot of us only move when we see somebody else moving. And it's like we have this Fred Flintstone type of mentality that we wait for, you know, because with the Flintstones, they, you know, they, they run and then the car moves. It's like a lot of us are standing on the sideline waiting to see what cars are moving to jump in it rather than realizing that they are a car themselves. Rather than realizing that their lives is literally God's window of opportunity. And like, to be honest, you can pause right there. So please make sure that you write that statement down. I want you to remember this statement and get it tattooed on your forehead. Not literally. All right, 6ix9ine, not literally. <laughs> but the reason why I want this statement to be etched in your mind is because it helps us to remember that it's bigger than us. Because with all that's going on, to be honest, we we kind of we we feel some of us feel small. Some of us are really passionate. We're we're fired up. We're mad. We're we're ah uh, oh my gosh oh my gosh like we're we're agitated. We we're annoyed. We're we're angry. We're whatever emotion it is that we're feeling. But even in that feeling, a lot of us, to be honest, we kind of just mad because everybody else mad. If we if we're being honest, some of us are just we're we're angry because somebody else is angry. And the reason why I know that is because some of us are so outraged right now as though this is a new thing. This isn't a new thing. Racism in America is not a new thing. It's America. <laughs> it's America. <laughs> so I, I may I said that because I almost feel like we're in such a, a age of everyone jumping from one thing to the next that I don't know if we're actually giving room for God to 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 fully express Himself, to be a change, to to breathe on this earth, to to make a difference, to do something different, simply because we're so consumed in 
well, unless everybody else is doing this certain thing, I won't do this certain thing because I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be an outcast. I don't want to be by myself. Because it's lonely doing something that God told you to do. But that's the reason why God told you to do it, because he also promised us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Or in other words, we should be assured that we are always with him. We are never alone. <laughs> like he promises that I will never, no, never, assuredly not leave you forsaken. I won't ever leave you alone. But a lot of us only move when we see the crowd moves. When you move, I move. Just like that. When you move, I move. Just like that. When you move, I move. Just like that. And that's not the way that God wants this whole thing to be. He doesn't want it to be that we only move because somebody else moved. So to be honest, I've been seeing some people being so outraged and I've been asking myself, are you really mad? Are you really angry? Or is this just a viral moment for you? Have you become a hype beast on culture and on, 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 on being black that you're such a hype beast person that you only do it or you're only upset because you see everybody else affected? Because are you, are you, what if you were the only one affected? Would you, would you be crying out or would you say, oh, well, you know what? It's just my, my thing, my burden to carry. Guess I'm just by myself. This isn't new. This is not new. This is, this is not new. So back to my statement. And yes, I said my statement because uh, it, it came out through the conversation. But now it is completely adopted. It is Sylvester Cajol Baca's statement. I own it. If you take it, that, that'll be your statement. But it's mine. So the statement once again says, your life is God's window of opportunity. But here's, um, here's the kicker of what's going on right now. Even though our lives are God's window of opportunity, most of us are living with our blinds down. Most of us are walking around with our windows closed. We're, we're, we're oblivious to what's going on. We're, we're numb to what's happening. We're refusing to see what's right in front of our eyes. And because of that, God is limited. God is limited because God can't get out. He can't, he can't show himself. He can't, he can't prove himself. He can't express himself simply because you refuse to allow him to. So tonight I want you to know this one thing. I want you to know and I want you to go to bed knowing that you're loved. I want you to know that you're not alone, that you're not crazy. And finally, that your hope is secure in Jesus. Jesus got you. So um, let's go to some more scriptures, y'all, because um, to be honest, uh, this is this is even another thing that I'm, I've been noticing. And good Lord, this time. There ain't no way I'm going to get through all my notes. <laughs> ain't no way. So uh, I'm going to just say this. Let me just go. Um, I've been seeing that a lot of there, there are some people that are kind of feeling like, oh, well, almost like I don't, I don't feel the need to, let's say, be a Christian. And I'm not saying they're verbally saying that. But what I am saying is their, their actions are proving that they're like, I'm so upset. I'm so mad. I don't want to talk to God. I'm so upset. I'm so mad. I don't want to, um, 
I don't want to seek God's wisdom. I'm just mad. <clears throat> so I just rather live there. Let me, let me remind you of something, people. We are spiritual beings, spiritual beings. We're living in a physical world, though. But as spiritual beings, a lot that's going on has everything to do with our mindset. It has everything to do with the way we see things, the way we see life, the way we, the way we, the way we interpret, the way we um, understand things. Like we literally are products of our environment, and a lot of us just find ourselves consuming and consuming and consuming so much that eventually we forget who we are, because we are basing our entire lives on what we're experiencing, what we're what we are consuming, what we're taking in. That's on, that's what our lives are based on. And that's not how it should be. In no way shape or form. So, let's go to um I want us to go to I'm going to kind of I'm I'm going to kind of skim it a little bit and also just more so say my own words, but I want to show this uh <laughs> this one illustration is when Peter was denying Jesus. And you'll see why in a second. So if you're taking notes, just write down, uh, these are the scriptures, it's Luke 22. Um, I'm gonna read 33 and 34, and then I'm gonna read 54 through 62. But I'm gonna kind of read it straight through so that that way we can you know, also get through this. So Luke 22, verse 33. All right, and it reads, Peter said, Master, I'm ready for anything with you. I go to jail for you. I'll die for you. And Jesus said, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, Peter, but before the rooster crows, you will have three times denied that you know me. Mm. I ride for you, Jesus. I die for you, Jesus. <laughs> Hold up. Wait a minute. You're going to deny me, boy. So uh, let's go and keep on going. So in verse 54, if you just scroll on down, verse 54 reads, Arresting Jesus, they marched him off and took him into the house of the chief priest. Peter followed, but at a safe, dif safe distance. In the middle of the courtyard, some people had started a fire and were sitting around him, trying to keep warm. One of the serving maids sitting at the fire noticed him, then took a second look and said, This man was with him. He denied it. Woman, I don't even know him. A short time later, someone else noticed him and said, You're one of them. But Peter denied it. Man, I am not. About, a, about an hour later, someone else spoke up really adamant. He's got to have been with them. He's, he's got Galilean written all over him. And Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. At that very moment, the last word hardly off his lips, a rooster crowed. Just then, the master turned and looked at Peter. Peter, remember what the master had said to him. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. He went out and cried and cried and cried. Um, I wanted to read this because a lot of us are forgetting who we are. <laughs> a lot of us, we we rocking with Jesus. We we with Jesus. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Like Jesus, my homeboy, Jesus Christ. You know, like we, that's, that's where we are, right? But then things start happening. The world starts going crazy. It starts getting loud and it's, know him man i'm cool bro i don't know him i don't know that man who him not me you lying i don't know him and we we end up falling directly into this trap simply because we don't 
we 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 forget who we are and based on the circumstances based on the situations based on the experience based on what we're consuming we eventually become something that we aren't supposed to be in the first place peter was with jesus peter was one of the homeboys but he still ended up denying him three times just as jesus told him hmm mm 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 all right, so let's go to one more scripture, y'all. Um, uh, all right, so let me, I'll go to this scripture. Um, John, we're going to go to John 21, verses 1 through 15. John chapter 21, verses 1 through 15. So we just remember what just happened, right? As far as um, Jesus said, you're going to deny me. Peter was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and he ended up doing just that. So in John chapter 21, verses 1 through 15, I'm going to read it again really quickly. Um, and this is after Jesus has already died. He already went through the whole thing. And then he came back, he resurrected, and so forth. So it says in verse 1, after this, Jesus appeared to, to the disciples, this time at the, the Tiberias Sea, the Sea of Galilee. This is how he did it. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed twin, Nathaniel, and Cana from Galilee. The brothers Zebedee and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter announced, eh, I'm going fish, fishing. And remember, I'm reading from the message. So if you're reading from the King James, you're like, my Bible don't read like that. I'm reading from the message translation. All right, so verse three. The rest of them replied, we're, we're going with you. They went out and got in the boat. They caught nothing that night. When the sun came up, Jesus was standing on the beach, but they didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to them, good morning. Did you catch anything for breakfast? They answered, no. He said, throw the net off to the right side of the boat and see what happens. They did, they did what he said. All of a sudden, there were so many fish in it, they weren't strong enough to pull it in. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the master. When Simon Peter realized that it was the master, he threw on some clothes for he was stripped for work and dove into the sea. The other disciples came in by, the boat, came in by boat for they weren't far, off, far from land. A few hundred, a few, I'm sorry, a hundred yards or so, pulling along the net full of fish. When they got out of the boat, they saw a fire laid with fish and bread cooking on it. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter joined them and pulled the net to shore. 153 big fish. And even with all those fish, the net didn't rip. Jesus said, breakfast is ready. Not one of the disciples dared ask, who are you? Because they knew it was the master. Jesus then took the bread and gave it to him. He did the same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus has shown himself alive to the disciples since he since being raised from the dead. So verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. So I'm going to verse 19 if I didn't say it. <laughs> Um, in verse 16, Jesus said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. Verse 17, then he said it a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was upset that he asked for the third time, do you love me? So he answered, master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I'm telling you the very truth now. When you were young, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wished. But when you got old, when you get old, you will have to stretch your stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and takes you where you don't want to go, so forth and so on. 
So the reason why I read this is because I wanted you to also see that how Jesus still came back and said, all right, I know you denied me three times and you saw that how he went away. He cried, he cried, he cried. He went and cried in the car. But then in John 21, when Jesus came back and showed himself, he had Peter to now confess that he loved Jesus three times, canceling out what he just denied. So that's simply just how much God loves us. That not only will, not only in the situation of him denying Jesus, Jesus still came back and was like, hey, before I go, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he said, yes, I do. So let me see where my time is at. All right, cool. So I got one more, one more scripture, one more passage to read. And after reading this passage, then I'll go directly into my points and we'll just, we'll let it be what it is. Um, so now let's go to Acts chapter nine, Acts chapter nine, verses one through 22. Now I'm not going to read this whole thing straight through. Um, but this is something that I definitely would just say, you know, go and go and read it. Um, so I'm going to paraphrase pretty much what this is and what happened, what took place. And pretty much Saul is this, um, passage is talking about Saul. And this passage specifically is when Saul was knocked off of his horse by Jesus. So what ended up happening was if you read back in earlier books of Acts, um, Saul pretty much was, he was that guy, right? He was the one, he was killing Christians. He was prosecuting Christians. I'm talking about he, he was throwing hands. He was, he was doing the dang on thing and making sure that he was killing them dead. Okay. That's what he was doing. So literally the disciples were, <laughs> They pretty much, they were, I don't want to say afraid, but they were like, dude, I don't want to die. So they scattered so they wouldn't be caught and persecuted. So eventually in, um, in Acts 9, chapter 1, I'm sorry, verse 1 through the 22, as I just said, I wanted us to read this really quickly because this is what I like to call Paul's, well, he was Saul, but Paul's unbecoming process, his process to unbecome. So, uh, as I, I'm, uh, he was pretty much on his way to Damascus. All right. So all the time Saul was breathing down the necks of the master's disciples out for the kill. He went to the chief priest and got arrest warrants to take to the meeting places in Damascus so that if he found anyone there belonging to the way, whether men or women, he could arrest them and bring them to Jerusalem. So he set off. And when he got to the outskirts of Damascus, he was suddenly dazed by a blinding flash of light. And this is verse three that I'm on, verses three and four. So as he fell to the ground, he heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me? He said, who are you, master? And the voice responded, I am Jesus, the one you're hunting down. I want you to get up and enter the city. In the city, you'll be told what to do next. So let me pause right there really quickly, just in case you are lost. So when Jesus appeared to Saul, Jesus had already died. So if you, if you remember when I just read it, he was, Saul was looking for anyone belonging to the way. Now, in this time, they weren't called Christians. They were people of the way, which I think is actually doper than Christian. Just being honest. I am of the way. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Oh, you're Christian? I'm of the way. Oh, you're a Muslim? I'm of the way. So they are people of the way, people belonging to the way. And that's what he was after. So as he was after these people, he literally was killing them. But again, Jesus has already died and Jesus has already appeared three times to the disciples. So this time Jesus appeared to Paul, well, Saul at the time. And when he appeared to Saul, 
Saul was blinded by a light. Saul was knocked off of his horse. And that's when Jesus was like, dude, what you doing? He was like, well, I'm killing Christians. <laughs> I was like, but why are you persecuting me? Why are you after me? What is it that I did to you? What, what are you doing? And the whole point of that conversation, Jesus was revealing to Saul that he doesn't know what he think he knows. So Saul was now about to go through a process to unbecome everything that he wasn't. So, and I'm back in verse seven. So it reads, his companions, Saul's companions, they stood there dumbstruck. They could hear the sound, but couldn't see anyone. While Saul, picking himself up off the ground, found himself stone blind. They had to take him by the hand and lead him into Damascus. He continued blind for three days. He ate nothing and drank nothing. There was a disciple in Damascus by the name of Ananias. The master spoke to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, master. Excuse me. He answered, get up and go over to the straight avenue. Ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus. His name is Saul. He's there praying. He has just had a dream in which he saw a man named Ananias enter the house and lay hands on him so he could see again. Ananias protested, Master, you cannot be serious. Everybody's talking about this man and the terrible things he's been doing, his reign of terror against your people in Jerusalem, and now he's shown up here with papers from the chief priests that give him license to do the same to us? But the master said, don't argue. Go. I picked him as my personal representative to non-Jews and kings and Jews. And now I'm about to show him what he's in for, the hard suffering that goes with his job. So in verse 17, it says, so Ananias went and found the house, placed his hands on blind Saul and said, brother Saul, the master sent me the same Jesus you saw on your way here. He sent me so you can see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got to his feet, was baptized, and sat down with them to a hearty meal. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it there. You can continue, but pretty much <laughs> you can continue from there. But for the sake of time, um, Paul went through a process of unbecoming. Now, my question is, how many of us are going through living a truth that's false? How many of us are going through life um, believing that this one way is the absolute way, not realizing that there is another way that is the way from God. How many of us? Obviously, there's a lot of us. Um, but I wanted to read this and start, it, start this series this way because I want us to see that a lot of us are lost. And as you look out, you only have to look out the window. As you turn on the news, as you go to Instagram, as you go to Whatever social platform you on Facebook, you seeing it left and right. A lot of people are lost. They're lost. And to be honest, what I'm sensing in my spirit, what I and I believe that there's others that also sense the same thing, that all that's going on right now is people are being knocked off of their horses. Left and right. Whites are being knocked off of their horses. Blacks are being knocked off of their horses. People are being knocked off of their horses and the light is blinding them. But they're waiting for Ananias to come to, to lay hands on them so that they can now see. And Ananias is you and I. They're waiting for us to, to wake up and take our rightful place 
as the church, as believers, not saying, oh, well, only when somebody else do it is when I'll move. But they're waiting on us to say, you know what? I'll go out. I'll speak. I'll share. I'll, I'll post. I'll talk. I'll open up. I'll allow my window of opportunity to be an opportunity where God can reveal itself not only through me, but to me and to everyone I come in contact with. And they're waiting on somebody because they cannot see. They cannot see. The Bible talks about how darkness will cover, cover the earth and gross darkness. Like, so dark that you see dark. Like, you know how dark it got to be to be able to see that it's dark? Like, not oh, it's dark. Like, you're, it's so dark you see black. That you can see how thick it is. That's, that's what's going on. People are confused. They're... There are, there are people, there are cops shooting rubber bullets at point blank range to people that aren't protesting. I mean, that aren't being violent, that aren't doing anything. There are people that are literally robbing stores and, and, and breaking in here and doing this. There are people who are hurting themselves. There are people who are, like I saw a video where um, it was a lady speaking directly to the cops. The cops at first were standing there all chest out like, you know, standing there with their, with their, holding their batons and looking straight at the lady like, you come close, we're going to do what we got to do. And the lady was saying to, to them directly, but you know that it's wrong. And her tone and the way she was speaking, you can literally see the scales falling off of their eyes that eventually their posture started to change. Their chest started to, started to sink in and they started to see, you know what, this isn't right. What are we doing? What is going on? Why did we agree to this? These people don't want nothing but just to be loved. These people don't want nothing but an opportunity. Why do we only see them as a target? Why do we only see them as a threat? What is going on that we're so intimidated by a black man, by a black woman, that we can't see them for the human being and the gift of God that they are? What is going on? I don't get it. And you start to see their scales starting to fall off. And people starting to open their doors. I read another story or saw another story just today, right before, right before now, where, um, and I, I don't know if it was Washington, D.C. or Chicago, I'm not sure, but a gentleman, the cops were literally pushing protesters into neighborhood areas so that they could arrest them. And they were closing them in so they couldn't leave, so eventually they would just get arrested. Well, what ended up happening, they pushed these people these black people, these protesters into this certain area and this certain gentleman opened up his doors and allowed 70 protesters in his house to shelter them from the cops. To shelter them from the cops. And the cops had the audacity to come over to this man's house and say directly to him in his face, did someone call 911? We heard that there was a disturbance. We heard that there's some things going on in your house. Are you okay? And the guy looked at him dead in his face. You know no one called 911. You know what that is? The scales are falling off of the people's eyes. And they're starting to see each other through the love of God rather than through the stereotypes and the generalizations that this world and the media is trying to push out to everyone. What I'm saying to each of us is wake up. Open your eyes. The time is now. Look up. Your redemption draweth nigh. I don't know if anyone else gets it or can see it, but when you look in the spirit, you can literally see changes happening. 
Change is happening. People are changing. Something is brewing. Something is going on where everyone is walking through. It's almost like I feel like we're living in the, um, like you remember iRobot, the movie iRobot. If you remember, all of the robots were controlled by whatever her name was. I forget her name. But the lady, the computer, they were all controlled by her. And she had this agenda that she was going to wipe out the population. She was going to pretty much, the robots were going to be in control. That was her agenda. But what ended up happening, they took out, they eventually um, injected, I don't know if it was a virus, but they injected the software to pretty much shut her down. And as soon as they did, all of the robots she was controlling, it's like scales fell off of their eyes. And they started to see like, wait a minute. That's not, that's not, what are we doing? What are, what are we doing? Like, it's, and we see the examples all the time, like um, in, in the Avengers, and I think it was um, Avengers with when Loki was controlling everyone, and, and you see them all when, when they, with the Tesseract, and their, their eyes were different colors because they were being controlled, and they were being, they were being mind manipulated to do whatever it was that Loki's agenda was for them to do. And eventually, once they regained control, the scales fell, fell from their eyes. What I'm saying is, God is removing scales because so many of us are blind. And now is not the time as a believer to not only be silent, but now is not the time as a believer to forget who you are. Now is not the time. If anything, now is the time to wake up, to dust yourself off, to brush off the stuff that you were sleeping on and to say, you know what? I am called by God. I am God's window of opportunity in this moment, today. Let me, um, I, I, I'm so like out of time, but let me, I want to give, I'm, I still want, I want to give a couple points and I call this like, I don't know if it's a how to unbecome, I don't know if it's returning the factory set, settings, um, whatever the case may be, but I want us to I want us to read this. I mean to uh, write these things down. So, how to return to our factory settings? How to unbecome? How to, um, as I just mentioned, as far as with the scales falling off our eyes? How to reset? How to get back where we're supposed to be? And I have literally five points. Five points, and I want you to write these down. So, point number one. First things first. We have to realize. We cannot be like Jesus without Jesus. It sounds simple, but a lot of us are walking around as believers saying, we believe, we believe, and not once don't even know who the man is. We still think he white. I'll wait. So you can write this down, but I definitely want you to look at it. I'm going to paraphrase it, but Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 19, it's, um, it's kind of like I'm highlighting, it's Simon the Wizard. Um, if you have not heard about Simon uh, the Wizard, I'm not saying he's a good guy or anything like that, but this illustration, um, pretty much Simon was a wizard in the city. He was going out. He was pretty much doing magic tricks. That's what he was doing. <laughs> and all the people accepted, oh, man, he's a wizard. Look at him. He's a wizard. And eventually, um, the disciples came into the city, and they started healing people. He started seeing the signs. He was like, wait a minute. How y'all do 
what is going on? So eventually he he got saved. He got filled with the Holy Spirit and whatnot. Um, and let me let me actually go to one part of the scripture because I want to make sure that I read it. Um, and remember that was Acts eight verses nine through nineteen. So and it was Philip specifically that um, that came down. So. In verse 12, it says, when Philip came to town announcing the good news of God's kingdom and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, they forgot Simon. They forgot about the wizard. They forgot about the sorcery. And they were baptized, becoming believers right and left. Even Simon himself believed and was baptized. From that moment, he was like Philip's shadow. He was so fascinated, fascinated with, all, with all the God signs and miracles that he wouldn't leave Philip's side. So in verse 14, when the disciples in Jerusalem received received the report that Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John down to pray for them up for pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Up to this point, they had only been baptized in the name of the Master Jesus. The Holy Spirit hadn't yet fallen on them. Then the disciples laid their hands on them and they did receive the Holy Spirit. In verse 18, when Simon saw that the disciples that the I'm sorry, the apostles by merely laying on hands conferred the spirit he pulled out his money, excited, and said, sell me your secret. Show me how you did that. How much do you want? Name your price. And that's what a lot of us are ending up doing. We've ended up, rather than becoming who God created us to be, we've become other things because we're, we're so focused on how everybody else is doing this, how this person's doing that, how this person is moving this, how their followers got up like this, how their business is prospering, how their relationship is, how their marriage is, how their kids are, how whatever the thing is. But if you notice, right before he asked about that, he also received the Holy Spirit. So he literally had the exact same gift that Peter had, except he didn't realize or take the time to... to, to to get to know the gift that he had and how many of us are doing the exact same thing rather than taking the time to get to know the gift that we have rather than taking time and spending time with the Holy Spirit, um, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, getting to know our comforter that lives on the inside of us. Rather than that, we look to every left and right place to see how everybody else is living to imitate that, not realizing that we have the entire life source living on the inside of us. So first things first, you cannot be like Jesus without Jesus. All right, so point number two, for us to reset, get back to our factory settings. Point number two, you have to examine what you are consuming. Because what you are consuming is changing the way you think. You cannot expect to hear God's voice if you're only consuming negative thoughts. I'm going to read that one more time. Examine what you are consuming because it's changing the way you think. You can't expect to hear God's voice if you're only consuming negativity. And I already said, with all that's going on, it's literally a buffet of negativity left and right. We have to examine what we're consuming. What are we opening ourselves up to? Because remember, if we are literally God's window of opportunity, for us to open ourselves up to something else, we're letting everything else in our house, which is clouding this opportunity that God desires to express. All right, point number three. Don't forget who you are. 
Don't forget who you are. You are a new creation in Christ. What? What? What you got on, Brandon? What you got on? Don't worry about it, sweetheart. It's that's black. It's that's black. So in verse 17, it says simply, and I'll read it from, I'll read it from the King James just to keep it simple so you know, because you've heard this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You are a new creation in Christ. Point blank, period. You are new. <laughs> so don't forget who you are. You cannot continue to operate on the old operating system thinking that you will be a new system. That's perpetrating. You can't. You can't sit there if you have a you uh you have a MacBook and and everybody's on or matter of fact you got an iPhone. I'll say that. You got the iPhone too. You got the the two the 2S. I don't even know what number it was. I forgot. But you got the iPhone too. You got the buttons all over it. And everybody else is on an iPhone 11 Pro. And you're like, "Man, I'm trying to get the pictures. My pictures to be just like yours. I'm trying to get my pictures to be just like How can I get my pictures? First of all, you need to update your system. Because your whole system out of whack. Your whole system, your whole foundation is based on the old way that you were. You forgot that you've already been upgraded. You just holding on to what you used to be. Message. All right, so point number four. Sheesh. All right, so point number four. And this is key. This, this one right here, this one right here. Point number four, how to um, pretty much uh, <laughs> unbecome. I'm going to say that, how to unbecome. So point number four. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. I know you hear you hear all the time, and, and you might be sitting there, and I hope not, but you might be sitting there like, man, I always hear renew my mind. I ain't trying to hear that. I ain't trying to hear about oh, I need to renew my mind. It ain't that. It ain't that. First of all, so I'm going to read verse um, Romans 12, Verses 1 and 2, but I'm going to first read verse 2 in the King James, and then I'm going to read 1 and 2 in the message. So in verse 2, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So let me read it from the message. The message says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to his level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Mm, that, that right there is the whole thing right there. And then point five, real simple. Repeat. Just repeat. Repeat one through four. Because the thing is, a lot of us have it in our minds that we'll just arrive. Oh, well, I renew, I've already renewed my mind. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't, because you there is no renewed your mind. There, that doesn't exist. Re, I re, renewed. God didn't say renewed your mind. No, he said renew. 
Meaning continue. This, this is a lifestyle. This isn't a, an event. It's not a one-time or one-day thing. It's not a thing that you say, oh, I did it. All right, God, I'm in. And we have this idea that we will master God. You won't. <laughs> it's impossible. You know who else thought they would master God? Eve. You remember when, when, when the serpent came over to him? And he was like, man, you will be just like God. For real? I will master God? I will get my diploma in God? For real? And what ended up happening? They ate from the tree. And they realized in that moment they were naked. And they hid themselves from God. And God came to them in Genesis 3 and 11. And he said to them specifically, who told you you were naked? So I'm closing tonight with that exact same statement. Who told you that you aren't a child of God? Who told you that you aren't created in his image? Who told you that you aren't a gift? Who told you that you aren't everything that God created you to be? Who told you that? Who told you that you white so you above everybody else? Who told you that you just some black nigga and you will never be nothing? Who told you that? Who told you that you will never amount to anything? Who told you that you're insignificant? Who told you that you're nothing more than a color? Who told you that you fit the description and that's all you will ever be? Who told you that? Because it didn't come from God. And if it didn't come from God, call every man a liar. Every man. This is a lifestyle. It's not an event. So this series of unbecome, it's not, oh, we're unbecoming. We're unbecoming in the month of June. No, this is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. So my question to you is, are you ready to unbecome? Because this world is waiting. There's, the scales are falling off. And some of them are waiting to see again. But that's what God is calling us to do. Well, I can't lay my hands on nobody because we in COVID. We in quarantine. We on coronation. But you can talk. You can share. You can call. You can post. You can record. You can do something. But whatever that thing is, let it be what God told you to do. And stop waiting for everybody to give you permission and to agree with what God told you to do. If God told you to do it, nobody will agree. If God told you to do it, that means that everybody else didn't get that yet. We didn't get the memo. So we might not understand exactly what it is that you got. That's why it's on you to share what it is that you got. That's why it's on you to be who it is that God called you to be. That's why it's on you to be the opportunity that God has been waiting to express himself through. Will you be that window or will you continue to put your blinds on? It's up to you. But as for me and my house, every day is a process of unbecoming. I don't want that trash. I don't want what's going on. I don't like what I see. But the only way I will unsee it is to be the difference that I want to see. 
So either continue to add fuel to that fire or point that fire where it need to go. Show that fire what it needs to be. And allow God to move. It's on you, child of God. It's on you. But my window's open. How about you? I pray that you got a lot out of tonight. I pray that you have been convicted. I pray that you have been challenged. I pray that after tonight, you will never be the same. I pray that you wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know what? It starts with me. It's bigger than me. I pray that for you. So, Father God, right now, I lift up each and every person that's under the sound of my voice. And I declare in the name of Jesus that no more will we keep our windows shut. No more we will, we will continue to walk around with our blinds down. We are your window of opportunity. We admit that. So let your light shine through us, Lord. We declare right now, Father, that it will be all of you and none of us every day of our lives. But we know that it starts with renewing our mind each and every day. That each and every day we have to remember who we are. That each and every day we have to examine what we consume ourselves with. That each and every day we have to take this thing and say, oh, I can't be like God without God. <laughs> that each and every day we do this intentionally. So, Father God, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, that we will never be the same. And I thank you, Lord, that this will go forth and this will minister to multitudes of people. That whoever it was sent to, to free, that they are freed in the name of Jesus. And I declare also, Father, that your word will not return unto you void, but it will accomplish that to which you have sent it to do. I am simply your instrument, and I thank you for using me. And I thank you for the change and the impact that has been expressed tonight. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, love you guys. This is just the beginning. Um, and next week is officially part one of Unbecome. Love y'all. I'll see y'all next week.